Good afternoon. Thank you for joining me again for Business, the Law and You. Julian Campbell here. We've got another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll have a look at our Harvard Business Review tip. This one is get some perspective on your stress. We all have a bit of stress from time to time, don't we? We're also having a chat with Christina with our Minute on Innovation and we're going to be looking at her uh, conference again and some interesting points from that. But right now we're going to have a chat with Amanda Morris from Arma, A-R-M-A, Insurance. Going to have a look at reviewing your business assurance. Good afternoon, Amanda. Good afternoon, Julian. Is it Arma or A-R-M-A? It's Arma. So we pronounce it that way, do we? We do, yes, we do. Okay. And, and of course, it's a change of business name for you. It is, yeah. We're formerly known as Offshore Insurance Brokers, and, yeah, we've had a name change across to Armour Insurance Brokers. So, so uh, okay, I've just set up a business, or I've got a business going, and I'm looking for a bit of business insurance. Why would I go to a business broker rather than trolling online? I look at several reasons uh, for engaging an insurance broker to do the policies for you. Um, the products that you purchase through an insurance brokerage um, are far superior in wording, so you get a lot more cover, a lot more bang for your buck um, when purchasing your insurance. Um, you also get a lot of your advice. That's the most important thing. A lot of a lot of business owners don't understand the insurances that they've got or what's available to them. So if you've got a broker that's looking after your business insurance, they'll go through every section of a policy to make sure that you've actually got what you need and, more importantly, what you don't need. So it's also that peace of mind. And you believe it's important that we continually review our insurances. Why would we do that? Our businesses change every year. It's um, No business really stands still for, for much longer than 12 months. So every year people buy new plant and equipment on new uh, and stock levels increase or the turnover increases or decreases. So your insurance needs to reflect where you are every year. Uh, so you need to review it every year. And if you're going through an insurance broker, that they'll make sure that happens for you. So if you do have a claim that you know that everything's got to be replaced with what you actually have there in, in real time and today. Because there is a problem if we're underinsured, isn't there? There is, yeah. The, the main problem with underinsurance is uh, that the whole purpose for having an insurance policy is that it puts you back in the position you were previous to the loss. So it defeats the purpose of paying for an insurance policy if it's not accurate or up-to-date. And uh, insurance companies can uh, penalise you to, to some extent, can't they? They can, they can. They can uh, apply an average rule to that to the policy and, yeah, it can have a financial impact on you when you go to claim. So it definitely can, can have an impact for you. And, of course, uh, if we have to go through the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the whole process, I suppose, of uh, of doing an insurance claim, uh, how does the insurance broker help us there? Uh, brokers handle your claims as well, so it's not like you pay a premium to the, the broker and that's it. Uh, if you have a claim, they're actually they're the people you go to to help you to walk you through the claim and to make sure you get a fair and reasonable settlement for, for your loss. So it's, it's one of those things where you, you're on your own if you don't have an insurance broker. We do this every day of the week. Um, so we know what you should be entitled to with your insurance policy and the wording. And if you have a claim, we walk beside you every step of the way until it's settled. And I presume that uh, when you're selecting policies in the first place, you're you're looking obviously at uh, reputable companies rather than uh, some of these quick uh, fly-by-night type ones. Oh, definitely. Like I said, as we handle the claims uh, in-house as brokers, so... 
we don't want to be paying wages for our staff to be handling claims to insurance companies that don't pay claims. So it's really important that we use insurers that um, you know are good to their word and good to their policy warnings and, and do look after our clients as well. So I suppose one of the areas that people are a little bit concerned about is, is this going to cost me more if I'm using an insurance broker? Yes, that's, an, that's a really good question that we often get. So in a nutshell, if the answer to that is no, it doesn't cost you anything to get a quote on your insurance through an insurance broker. And then usually the only time it will cost you more than what you're paying now is if you either don't have the right insurance cover, so you need to purchase the right insurance cover, or you've got a really inferior policy that you've got at the moment and, and the recommendation from your broker is to buy something with um, a bit broader policy wording that's covering you for what you need. Okay, all right. Well, thanks very much for your uh, time today, helping us to understand that important thing, and good luck with the name change. Excellent. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Amanda Morris there from ARMA Insurance. That's A-R-M-A. Um, of course, uh, it does. We've, we've talked about this before on the radio, the importance of uh, going through a broker because if you do it yourself online, you really don't know what you're getting and you're dealing with professionals out there. Time to pop over for our dose of innovation with Christina. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. How are you today? I'm very well, and I think that song is very appropriate for business too because there is oh, so <laughs> so much help out there, isn't there, in uh, conferences and, and business centres and, and so on yep. and so forth. Courses, you know, Hunter Innovation Festival's happening this week. It's full of um, information around pitching and rapid prototyping and, start, you know, information for start-ups and scale-ups and entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs and businesses that just want to get ahead, you know, and there's... There's a plethora of information if we just open our eyes and look, but also you need the mentality that I'm actually going to step out, I'm going to get something. out of the building, you know, going to get out of the building, going to listen to somebody else. Even, you know, I've even learned great things from people that have gotten, that whose talks, dare I say it, have been quite bad, and I haven't mm. been to that many, I'm pleased to say. Mm. Um, but, you know, even if I learn what not to say and what how not to pitch and what not to do with my body and... I think there's a plethora of lessons to learn in that, but I've got to say, Julian, 99% of the events that I go to, the, the talks that I see, the people that I meet and network with are, are inspirational, brilliant, give you ideas, start you thinking outside, so you have to get out of the building. All right. Well, let's uh, have an, another visit to the uh, conference you did over this, over in Boston. Uh, in Boston, I got right out of the building, yes. A <laughs> couple of weeks um, ago, and you, would, you said that one of the aspects was on failure. It, it certainly was, and, and I think that's something that we don't do very well, um, personally, as individuals, but also as a country. We don't, we don't tend to recognise failures. Mind you, I've been trying hard to find a country that does, uh, mm. and probably the closest I can come up with is Israel, because they really don't, you know... But if you look at their economic stance and their history and everything else, it's no surprise as mm. to why... They're not scared to fail. But, you know, the value of failure, and again, I know we've said it before, we're not talking about investing a billion dollars and losing it all overnight. You know, we're talking about how you learn from failure, what is the value of failure. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, failure can teach you much more than success. And, it, you know, it can make you more mature. It can make you more resilient. It actually allows you to be kinder to yourself. And you can, you know, there's, dare I say, wouldn't it be good if we got to the stage where we could almost wear it as a badge of courage 
um, because that's what it is. You need to be courageous in order to fail at something. Um, but most, most failure is wasted because we don't actually sit down and identify what went wrong. We're too busy being embarrassed in the mistake that we made or the failure that we made. Um, and then we spend time rationalising how it wasn't really our fault, it, it must have been somebody else's fault, uh, and that we didn't have control, instead of going, OK, how do we use this? How can we identify what went wrong? How can we make sure it doesn't happen again? How can we use it to make sure that we become smarter than everyone else, that we can innovate ourselves? How do we make... You know, it's almost like... And I'm, I'm not saying that we need to aim for failure so that we can do all these things, but if we happen to fail... I think we said last week the um, Mark Randolph from Netflix had seven business ideas. Six of them failed. Yeah. One of them was successful, you know. And, it, and you could look at so many successful people and they've all been through that. I was watching a Steve Jobs video yesterday and he went through it too. Yep. That's, you know, I don't know one entrepreneur that hasn't had a series of failures on the way. In fact, I saw a really nice um, print the other day and it had uh, it was something around failure, 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 and they were up and down. So that one failure was written high on the graph, another one was low, another one was high, another one was low, and then it had success, you know? Mm. And that's exactly what it is. You try. You come up with a hypothesis on something, you test it. If it doesn't work, you iterate it. If it, you know, you make small changes to it. If it still doesn't work, you change it again. If it still doesn't work, you, at that point, you might think about burying it and going, you know, Start putting again. your energies into a different idea, yeah. Um, but most innovations, I've got to say, fail because they don't experiment. You know, they don't They don't have that, that short flow of experimentation. They don't go, okay, what is it about this idea that we need to test? Are we truly discovering a pain point? What question are we answering for our customers? Everything has to come from the perspective of a customer. Will they buy this product? Do they need this product? How do I make this product appeal to a client? Not me. Not me as the person that's developing the product. How does it appeal to a clientele? How is it that we're going to get into their psyche to make them need, want, appreciate the product? Um, and if we if we don't have, you know, clearly we need the insight, then we need to have the idea, then we need to do the experimenting in order to come up with a successful product or service that people are going to want. So do you think we often stay too long with uh, products that are failing? I think we do, yeah. And, you know, the other thing I think we stay too long at is, is this a good idea? I think we really need to get out there and prototype. So if I can, you know, there's a rapid prototype um, workshop for the Hunter Innovation Festival tomorrow, and it's about coming up with an idea and testing it, not sitting on it until it's perfect, until you have to, until you wait for somebody else to do it, and then you, then you say to someone in conversation, oh, I thought of that 12 months ago. Mm. Whoopie-doo. You thought about it 12 months ago. You didn't act on it. You know, I think we've said it before um, on radio. Cynic says an idea without action is hallucination. And, of course, uh, prototype doesn't just mean a, a product. It can also mean, as you just said, an idea. That's right. And you can storyboard it. You know, you, when, you, when we say prototype, it can be a storyboard that you show several different people and go, what button would you press next? You know, if you're testing a website, what, what is the product good for in your opinion? What, tell me as many things, you know, write, here's an exercise. Write down as many things you think this product could be valuable for. You know, I mean, go back to Jennifer Holland, who I know you mm. had on a couple of weeks ago or last, last week. Last week, yeah. Yeah, last week. Rapid prototype. Walked into a $2 shop, picked up three components, stuck them together, and that was her first prototype. And mm. that's when she went, I've got an idea. You know, this is, this is valid. Now let me go and do some research. So I don't actually think we prototype enough. I don't mm. think we ask 
the, prop, the required questions in the first instance, and do we, you, we certainly don't move fast enough. Do you, yes, I say, do you think we give up too easily? I mean, you know, we've always got the example there of uh, of Colonel Sanders and how he's yep. he he spent uh, yeah. two years and uh, I think it was a thousand and nine restaurants that he called on before someone said yes, and most of us these days would probably make ten or fifteen calls and then give up. Yeah, that's right, and I think that's not learning from the failure. You know, especially if you if you, what is it the um, the definition of insanity is when you keep doing the same thing and expect mm. a different result. Mm. If if you don't, you need to look at why somebody's not having a look at it. You know, if if fifteen people go, I don't like this. You go, why don't fifteen people like this? What is it about this? How can I tweak it? How can I iterate it? How can I make a small change? that's going to make it more customer user friendly. Mm. What is it that people are looking for? What's the pain point that I'm trying to solve? I can't say that enough. What is the pain point you are yeah. trying to solve? Yeah. Whether it's a product, whether it's a, a service, it doesn't matter. We're looking for pain points. And I think everybody forgets in business, we have a solution to someone's problem. Correct. Mm. And that isn't that but isn't and isn't that what an innovation is, you know, mm. is a an innovation can be something as as small as a small useful change or it can be the next huge product that people want that's going to make life easier for them. Or, it can, or, the or it can be that piece of artwork on your wall. It can be, correct. Yeah, it absolutely can be. Um, but, you know, I, I came across an idea the other day in one of the newsletters that I read around um, somebody who's putting all the freelance beauticians and all the um, all the existing beauticians on the one portal and they, they're almost going to make it like um, so that you can either select to go to the to the beauty clinic or you can have a, a clinician, you know, a beauty therapist come Indeed. to your home. Yeah. You know, what is it that suits you best? What are your working hours? How do we connect you with the people that are most going to pr- or supply you with the product that you most want? You know, mm. and it's a simple idea, but it's a connecting idea. I keep saying to people, we're living in the age of connectivity. How yeah. can you connect people? All right. You know, seniors, all, those, all the different... Um, platforms that we know of. Well, thanks for your time, and uh, maybe we'll ca- catch up on some of the things that happened at the Innovation Festival next week. We can, and I've also got to tell you a, a fair bit about Tesla. So when I went okay. to the Tesla Gigafactory yes. while I was away, that was that was quite Excellent. spectacular as well. We've got plenty to talk about, Julian. Okay, talk to you next week. Okay, have a good week. You bye. too. Bye bye. With Christina there with. Uh, Looking at failure, and yeah, don't look at failure as failure. Look at it as a, a reason to find how and move on. We've got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. As we said earlier, this one, get some perspective on your stress. Here's some good news. You don't need to get rid of stress to live a happily uh, fulfilling life. But you do need to separate yourself from your stress. This doesn't mean you need to pretend that stress isn't there. It means that you identify less strongly with the emotion, realising its bodily response to a feeling about your view of the world instead of thinking, I am stressed. Try, I feel stressed. This subtle shift helps you step back even just a bit so you can gain the perspective needed to move forward. To do this effectively, you have to understand why you are stressed. Where does the feeling come from? Curiously, integrate the feeling considering the reasons behind your stress, the people who might be causing it, and the qualities of stress experience. How do you behave when you're stressed? What do you tell yourself when you're feeling anxious? Recognise the patterns in your response. So it's important to start really thinking about why you're stressed rather than just feeling stressed. And also, this other one which often comes up in an office, stand up to the office soap boxer. 
We've all worked with that person who is utterly convinced that their view is the only view and isn't afraid to vocalise it. This can be annoying and even disruptive, but you don't have to stand for it. When the person gets on their soapbox during a meeting, hear the opinion out and then refocus the group on the task of making a decision together. Don't get wrapped up in your emotional response to the person's behaviour. Instead, stay focused on the work the team needs to be done, which will help you stay grounded and clear-minded. Present an example of decorum and mutual respect for the others to follow. If the soapboxer tries to reclaim the stage, you can say, we've heard about that point and now we're considering others. If this person claims to have the support of someone who isn't in the room, which is a common tactic, don't accept it. Explain that as a group, you have to move forward with the opinions in the room. So we all experience that from time to time. Challenging to cope with, but we can. Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at the importance of uh, business insurance reviewing and also the, uh, the impact that failure can have on success. Just a reminder that a couple of weeks ago we talked about uh, a, a new workshop that's being run by New Hunter Business called Exploring Being My Own Boss. And there's still some places for that one coming up in a couple of weeks. So if you're interested in thinking about starting a business, have a look at uh, uh, newhunterbusiness.org, their website, or ring them up on 1800 815 705 and find out a little bit more about that program. In a moment, Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites. Next week, we're going to chat with Tony Vidray from AV Chartered Accountants about capital gains tax. We'll have our minute on innovation with Christina and, of course, business and legal news and views that might affect your business. I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Chris Grosser once said, opportunities don't happen you create them. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>